if I hear AI one more time, I, I just I can't handle it anymore. Tell me how you really feel about that. <laughs> like, what's going on over there? I mean, there's one thing with buzzwords, but these two buzz letters, AIs, drive me bonkers. <laughs> I I feel like we got to talk about this. Like, I really do feel like we do too. I mean, can we spend like a month on this? Let's go, baby. All of January, nothing but AI. Okay, let's do it. Challenge accepted. Done. Welcome to the VIP podcast. Season three. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Vertifor Insurance Podcast. I have with me not one, but two insurance AI geniuses. These two people are going to blow your mind. We're going to talk a little bit about how they found insurance, how they started their AI-powered company, and where they're headed, and just some of their thoughts on artificial intelligence, which, as I know many of you, uh, you know, struggle, wrestle with, you know, what, what is AI in insurance? Should we be scared of it? Where is it headed? How is it going to influence the industry? All questions that we're going to tackle today. So without further ado, I have Carl and Jean-Pierre, founders of Gaia, on with me today. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited for this one. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, so tell me a little bit about you guys. Uh, maybe Carl, start with, we'll start with you. What, what, what's your background? How did you get into insurance uh, before you met Jean-Pierre? Tell me the story of, of Carl Zayed. Yeah, for sure. So um, I guess like most insurance agents out there, I did not grow up in insurance and I, we st- and both of us, Jean-Pierre and I stumbled into it. Shocker. So, uh, That's, I, I, you're like a unicorn <laughs> in insurance, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're we're not different than most uh, most of the professionals in the industry. Um, we uh, so my background before starting Gaia with Jean Pierre was um, I'm a computer engineer by training. I started a tech company in the energy space and then went to serve in management consulting for mm-hmm. private equity funds, banks, and telecom companies. Mm-hmm. And then 2019, that was when I immigrated to the U.S. and I joined Stanford for my business school degree. And uh, that was really the space where for two to 2.5 years, I was experimenting with various stuff until I met Jean-Pierre and we decided to double down together. Wow. And I leave Jean-Pierre to share with you how we started. Yeah, Jean-Pierre, tell me a little bit about you. First, I said, first of all, thanks a lot for having us. Super excited to be here as well. So I'm from Haiti. So I came to the US to finish my high school education. Uh, I guess before the world of Gaia, I was working in the energy industry. I'm space. So I was basically building software for a solar energy company. And I was leading a team of about 15 engineers who were both in-house and outsourced. I did that for a couple of years and I went to Stanford to get my MBA. And while at Stanford, I was very adamant on doing something entrepreneurial. And one of the ideas that I wanted to work on was a car sharing platform. And at the time, I had no idea how to go buy it because I had no insurance background whatsoever. And we had a listserv where you can engage with students and alumni of the business school. So I sent out a message asking for advice on how I should tackle the insurance um, issue that I, that I faced for that platform that I was just imagining. And then Cole was, I believe, the only person who had responded to that email because he had done some research in this piece before. So he told me, hey, let's get together. Let's go on a walk and mm-hmm. I can give you a few pointers. Mm-hmm. So that first walk led to a few others until we decided to actually work on that very idea for the summer between my second 
between my first and second years of the business school experience. Um, so we built a car sharing platform. Uh, and as we build that car sharing platform, we learned a ton about how insurance works. We talked to a lot of professionals in the space, both agents and insure tech professionals. Um, and that really was our entry point. So there's a number of other things that we did. Uh, but I'll take a little pause here uh, yeah. before going a little too far. Yeah, I appreciate that. It seems like you guys have a very similar path, and I'm sure different in many ways, right? But both from the energy sector, which I would love to hear a little bit more about. You both are incredibly intelligent people. Um, I feel like my IQ just got you know higher by being on this podcast with you both, and yeah, and sure. then both being stand going to Stanford. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about your experience in the energy space and also what pushed you to go, you know, back to school and, and go this entrepreneurial route. Like, why wasn't what, what was going on in the in energy space that you two were like, uh, it's, you know, maybe yeah. maybe not exactly what we want to be doing. <laughs> so from my side, uh, so in Lebanon, the way we, cons we you know, we we we, we get uh, energy or for cooking or heating or heating or everything around that is yeah. through propane gas cylinders, very small, very tiny that you use in the U.S. for grilling outdoors. Mm. So these tiny cylinders is the source of uh, energy, and they run out without you know you being able to know in advance. Really? So when I was an undergrad, we built this technology to track the content of these cylinders so huh. that we can inform households to change them ahead of time and also. We streamlined the information supply so that gas suppliers can come at the right point in time to deliver a new cylinder to you. Wow. That was really stunt in the energy space. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert in the oil and gas or, or clean tech space, although I was enrolled at Stanford for an MS degree mm -hmm. within the clean tech space. Uh, but yeah, that was my stunt. And, uh, you know, when, when, when Jean-Pierre kind of started doing this work on the car sharing stuff, when we first met, it was a no-brainer to double down together, uh, given our shared interest in the space. So that's kind of how things went towards it. Interesting. Interesting. Same for you, Jean-Pierre. What was your push out of the energy sector? Yeah, for sure. So for me, growing up in Haiti, a place where energy access is rare and very unreliable, um, I always wanted to make a dent in that space. And I found an opportunity to do so after graduation by working with a startup that was building electric power meters to sell prepaid electricity. Mm -hmm. So the idea here is that you can pay for energy access before you use it, as opposed mm -hmm. to at the end of the month, like we do in the US. Mm -hmm. So I found it very gratifying to be working on a very innovative project um, that was bringing about energy access in my home country. And very early on as an undergrad, I got to build different tools from scratch, because it was a small team, it was literally a startup. Mm -hmm. and that really sparked my interest in software development. So I learned how to code as I was working in that company, then I went to a bootcamp. And then one thing led to, to another. Eventually the founder of that company asked me to come back and lead his engineering team for his solar energy company based in the US. Mm. Um, so I guess working in that space in general, it really, I guess, made me develop an interest for entrepreneurship. And it showed me that I had the ability to build conceive ideas and build them, bring them to life, and also lead team, like technical teams. So it enabled me to have even more confidence in doing something entrepreneurial myself. Mm. So when I went to Stanford for my MBA, it was a no-brainer for me that I should be building because I knew that what gave me the most satisfaction, mm -hmm. right? So when I was able to meet Carl and we committed to working just together for a summer to see what it would be like to be building together, 
Um, and then we, we tested it out. It was a great experience working together for the first two months, building something to life. And then we realized that we're actually very much complementary as co-founders, and we decided to double down in what we're doing. Mm, that's amazing. Um, okay, so you two found each other through, I mean, incredible, incredible that you two ended up connecting and walking down the I same mean, it's path, very common. right? It's very common. Is it? Oh, tools, okay. You know, for, for complementary, let's call it souls to meet. Uh, yeah. you know, the case studies, <laughs> we... Uh, the case studies that we studied at Stanford is all about two great guys meeting or great, uh, um, great, great leaders meeting together at yeah. Stanford, thinking through stuff, and especially that you have all these great professors who are highly intelligent, mm. uh, highly big practitioners who would tell us how to see the truth uh, mm. without getting lost in emotions. Like, yes. uh, our ability to pivot out of the, we were very attached to the car sharing idea, both Jean-Pierre and I. We, we spent days and nights ro roaming around campus, putting stickers on every, anything we see, mm -hmm. uh, on walls, on elevators, just so that people can start using the platform because we really believed in redefining car ownership, which is wow. somehow a subset of the energy space. Yeah. But you know, we're also at the same time practical. Like we're attached to building a big company and uh, inspire kids from where we came from. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know, we, we, we kind of think pragmatically about what would be the best way to provide the most value to, to as many number of people? And so that's kind of was our way out of the car sharing world when we saw that economically the business will not work. We can yeah. sell visions and stories and raise money, et cetera, but the, you know, at, the, at, the, at the fundamental level, it won't, it won't work. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was kind of how we, how we see that many Stan other Stanford folks meet and build something great together. They yeah. have a good track record. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of great stories, I would say that any founders have a, a, a great pivot in their story. And, and that's what it sounds like happened between car sharing and, and Gaia, right? So help walk me through that transition. How did you go from that car sharing space? You, you jump here, you mentioned, hey, we started to understand a lot about insurance. Uh, how? Like, what, what, what was it about the app that that company that sort of bridged the insurance gap and then how did you understand mm -hmm. the opportunity that existed in, in this market? Yeah, no problem. So as we're building a car sharing platform, we needed to make sure that as someone borrows another person's car, mm -hmm. that there was insurance in place for the duration of the trip. Mm -hmm. So we needed to make sure that, you know, we had the right coverages in place. So what we did is started to talk to a lot of insurance professionals to better understand what would be applicable for us for our mm -hmm. use cases. And as we were doing that, um, and building the platform some more, we also wanted to make sure that we could increase usage, right? So we wanted to make sure that we had more cars on the platform um, because we're not getting enough students listing their cars on the platform. Mm -hmm. So then we started to talk to a lot of car dealerships and we're trying to see if they would be willing to put their servicing cars onto the platform. So these are basically the cars that you give to your customers mm -hmm. as they bring the car that they bought from your dealership for servicing. Um, and talking to a lot of these dealerships, we talked to about 20, 20 of them or so. So what became clear for us is that they don't really make a lot of money by selling the cars. A lot of the money that they make is by financing those cars, right? Mm -hmm. So now we started to learn a lot about car financing as well, in addition to everything else that we're doing, in addition to all of the, the knowledge we're acquiring about car insurance. So now we realize that car refinancing should be something much more commonplace, given how unfair loan underwriting is um, and also how 
unpredictable it is as well, right? So we asked ourselves, why is car loan refinancing as, not as commonplace as it should be? And realize that it's for a number of reasons, including the fact that people are not well educated about it. They don't really understand what it entails and why they should do it and how to go by it as well. So then we realized that a lot of the ways insurance agents engage with their customers is by building rapport. So there's a level of trust that re-exists mm-hmm. from the onset of that interaction. So we realized that maybe it would be beneficial to have an insurance agent actually offer car loan refinancing to your customers as the customer is shopping for car insurance. So that was the next wave of what Gaia built. So we basically built a platform enabling any insurance agent to offer and enable car loan refinancing to their customers as the customer is shopping for car insurance. Oh, interesting. So that was the second wave of what we did. Interesting. Uh, before we actually got to Gaia AI, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, so <laughs> I didn't realize there was a... A, pi- a second pivot to the third pivot. The story just continued. The yeah. onion layers are coming off here, guys. <laughs> um, so yeah. how did you go from what happened, I guess, with that idea? Like, was it not a problem that agencies recognize they need a solution for? Because where you are today is, a, is quite a bit different than, than that, that solution. How did you go from... So- so that idea was not a problem for insurance agents. It was a problem for consumers in the sense that uh. the average American shop for car. Uh, they shop for cars, but they don't shop for car loans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to like have a nice matrix around it, it's Americans shop for home refinancing and mortgage mm-hmm. refinancing. They don't shop for home insurance. Mm-hmm. And then they shop for car insurance because of all the publicity for it. Geico Progressive starting it back in the days. Mm-hmm. So people are obsessed with shopping for car insurance. No one shops for car loans or car loan refinancing. So we noticed that. Uh, so one of the things is when we were doing car sharing, State Farm Insurance, we discovered from them that they used to sell back in the days car loan refinancing mm-hmm. for all their clients because State Farm used to have a bank. And that bank was not a retail bank nor online. It was only sold through insurance agents. Mm. So we figured that there is an opportunity whereby all insurance agents would start cross-selling financial products, starting with car loan refinancing. Mm. This way, the, the both the car loan and car insurance are paid as a bundle. It will become a very sticky product, and retention mm-hmm. is a big problem in the industry. Mm-hmm. So that was the problem, but it was not necessarily a problem that they wanted to solve car loan per se. It was about improving the existing business. Mm-hmm. Um, and we felt like theoretically it would be a good uh, channel to, to exploit and to kind of build for. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out. And primarily we think it didn't work out because of the Fed rate hikes we've all been living through over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So the arbitrage opportunity around car loans was kind of removed. Yeah. And so um, yeah. we did close a lot of agencies. We were able to build a lot of friendships in the industry that mm-hmm. taught us how pros- insurance processes work, mm-hmm. the time agents spent on quoting, mm-hmm. the time they spent on remarketing, servicing workflows, etc. And after living for thousands and thousands of hours in insurance agencies, mm-hmm. we kind of discovered that, wait a second, there is actually a deeper problem to tap into. And so when we were ready to move out of the refi opportunity, it was evident to us that there is an org- organic problem that we landed on even though we are not insiders per se to the insurance industry, mm-hmm. the problem was evident to us throughout the journey of building that other product. Mm-hmm. So that was in January of this year that we pivoted fully 
and uh, January, February, as you pivoted fully. Wow, I didn't realize uh, that pivot was so recent. And I would say the progress that you've made with Gaia is pretty incredible. So tell, tell the audience a little bit about Gaia AI. What does it do? How does it work? Yeah, so Gaia AI is the co-pilot for insurance agents. Mm -hmm. So there's a number of milestones that we're going to reach. And I'll let Cole talk about what's coming in the future. But for now, what we've built, it's a browser extension that can enable you to transfer data much faster across different websites. For now, we're across uh, personal line and commercial line carriers. And it's a way for you to transfer data seamlessly. So to explain it in more detail, we have the ability for you to go on any website. As long as there's a web form, we can do what we call a super copy, meaning all of the inputs that you put on that web form, Gaia can ingest it. So it's a super copy. And you can go on any other website where, the, where there's a form, even if the second website looks very different from the first one, even if the questions are phrased a little bit differently, we can do a super paste, meaning we put all the information that we ingested from the first website, so you can continue working in a much faster rate and be much more efficient in what you do. Because mm -hmm. what we've realized, especially at the quoting level, is that an insurance agent will get a customer's information. So, you know, their contact information, their household information, their car, the violations that they had, you name it. So everything gets collected. It takes anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes, if not even even more in some cases, for them to fill out one application on one carrier. And now if they give a quote to the customer and the customer is not happy with it, they have to go to a second carrier and put the exact same information again. So it's very time consuming. Or imagine a situation where you want to give four to five quotes to your customer to make sure that you're actually giving them the very best option. Mm -hmm. It's extremely time consuming. Mm -hmm. So instead of copying and pasting every field at a time, so you copy the first name and you paste it, you copy the last name and you paste it. Mm -hmm. So with Guy, you can super copy everything, then you can super paste it elsewhere. And as I was saying earlier, even if the phrasing is different under two websites, so let's say the first one says given name and the second one says first name, or the first one says family name and then the last one says uh, last name, mm -hmm. we can figure out with AI that it's actually the same information mm -hmm. and do the pasting appropriately. Yeah. So we're using a number of tools in the background, uh, computer vision. We're also using the large language models that have been coming out. So we can parse and understand all of those websites to make sure that the conversion is, doing, is being done in a very accurate and precise way. So you can go on and do your super paste appropriately. Okay, so I want to. So get, that's what we've built so far. That's currently live. Yeah. yeah, that was a wonderful high-level thirty-thousand-foot view. Uh, and and for those of you guys listening, there is a a visual example of this on is it Gaia dot a dot com Gaia dot AI. So e a y a dot AI dot AI. So if, for those of you guys listening, if you you have your phone handy, you know, pull this up as we're kind of talking through it. I think it'll bring to life visually what uh, Jean-Pierre and, and Carl are talking through. Before we talk about how smart this technology is, I want to, I, I think you were being very kind about how bad this problem actually is. You mentioned, uh, you know, using a couple different websites during the quoting process, but the problem of manual entry in this industry is is bad. It's it is it is a tough problem. Um, I would I would be very curious. I don't know if any agency has tracked you know how much time they their you know team spends on a daily weekly basis just with manual entry. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was you know 30, 40 percent of their time is just here's here's a piece of data. Let me put it in this system. Let me put it in this system. Let me put it in this system. Um, 
there's a nationwide survey done by a, a company called Catalyt, and they reviewed technology companies. Uh, they were founded, started by insurance associations, and this tech stack study that they published based on the nationwide survey showed that in 2022, there were on average, uh, I think it was six pieces of technology inside any given agency in, in, a, in the country. That number rose to eight in, uh, you know, in 2023. And that number doesn't include the carrier portals that they're using. That is just the business technology or insurance specific, you know, business technology that an agency uses not considering, hey, I've got to go to this carrier portal, that carrier portal. So you think about, well, if I have first name for my, my contact, that's got to go in, what, 8 to 12 to 15 systems at any given moment. Like, exactly. This is the beauty of the independent model is that, hey, we give people choice and we have the freedom to run our own businesses. And this is the challenge of the independent model, which is from a technology standpoint, we are, you know, being crushed with this manual entry. So I, yeah. I you guys have, tr you are trying to tackle a, a very relevant uh, and, and tough problem, I would say, in the industry. Indeed. I, we believe it's the number one problem that yeah. uh, independent insurance agents face today. And also it's one of the biggest problems that even captive agents face today. Mm -hmm. uh, is having to, you know, um, but, but, but on the bright side, at least, We've moved away from paperwork. Yes. Yes. But to a great extent. Yes. But we've moved, like knowledge workers today are no longer dealing too much with carbon papers, but they are now across so many web apps or, or on-premise soft desktop apps. Yeah. And that is kind of turning that knowledge worker, that insurance agent, to a great extent, spending 70% of their time on data entry work, mm -hmm. which is not necessarily the type of work that is conducive to you building a great business, great relationships. Mm -hmm. Because what is insurance other than providing trust? Mm -hmm. And if you're spending 70% entering data, you're mm -hmm. losing the ability mm -hmm. to um, to forge these relationships and build this trust. So yes. that's what Gaia, we really laser focused on. We need to take away all, all the friction that is involved with transferring data. Now. Mm -hmm. To approach data transfer, you can think about it, and now we're going to maybe get to, to a, a deeper uh, tech technological level, so mm -hmm. um, it might be interesting for some. The API world, which is all about connecting various systems that are you know, traditionally disconnected mm -hmm. uh, through a very nice pipeline, uh, has served so many industries, including the insurance industry, in a great way. Um, we believe that it, it can't be the only solution out there. There must be a solution, like a tool that a knowledge worker, an insurance agent, can use whenever they want to take data from one system and inject it into another. And this is what we call an over-the-top data transfer. So it's not back-end oriented, it's not API oriented, it's over-the-top. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the cost of building and maintaining the API infrastructure is gonna be tough. And today with the rise of language models and computer vision out there, these great models are so smart that if we fine tune them well and make them very vertical specific and insurance specific in our case, we can really win over the problem of having disparate systems that are disconnected and not necessarily required from the companies we're dealing with to build all these pipes that keep on breaking or keep on having to be maintained and updated. Yeah. 
that's at the high level, I guess, the fundamental uh, philosophical problem we're solving with Gaia. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. So tell me, we talked about robotics uh, processing automation before we got on this podcast, and you guys were explaining the difference between how your tool works and, or solution works, and how uh, RPA works, and some of the um, pitfalls, I guess I would say, of RPA, and, and, and where where Gaia starts to you know solve for those pit pitfalls. And, and I think this really, this contrast or comparison really starts to showcase how smart the technology is. Can you give a high level on, on, on that comparison? Yeah, happy to. Yeah. So for those who may not be too familiar, so robotic automation or PAs are basically bots that you can use to automate some tasks uh, for any computer system. It may be online or it can even be for uh, desktop apps as well. So, for example, you could have a workflow where your bot goes and it, you know, gets some information from one system and it goes into another system to paste that information. So, RPAs, to a large extent, are also over the top, similar to what Guy is doing. But in order to set an RPA, number one, it requires some technical um, ease. So, you mm-hmm. need to have your technical skills. So, it's not anyone who can easily engage with an RPA. Mm-hmm. So, from the get-go, there's a big limitation when it comes to the ease of use. Uh, number two, if you're, if you actually want to get the most of the RPAs, you like the best way to go is to actually work with a consulting firm of sort or outsource it to a team of developers who can build it for you. And they also, of course, have got to maintain it because once you set the RPA, the way it works is it looks for different triggers or it looks for different specific IDs on a on a web page so it can know how to perform. So let me give you a very concrete example. Let's say you want to get a piece of information, like someone's first name, and paste that information into uh, an, an AMS. Mm-hmm. So it's going to go into your AMS, and it's going to look for where to put the first name. And the way it finds the, the spot for the first name is by looking at some identifiers that run the structure of that website. Then once it finds that ID, it says, all right, I have full confidence that this is the spot for the first name, so let me paste it. But now let's say the developers of that website, of that AMS, they changed the looks of it, right? Mm-hmm. So the ID changed. Or maybe it used to say first name and now it says given name. And you're looking for the tag that mm-hmm. says first name. Mm-hmm. So the RPAs are not smart enough to figure out that it's exactly it's actually the same thing that they used to look for. And it's simply going to break. It's not going to perform anymore. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you need to either yourself go back into the code and fix it. Or you need to get the contractor that you had gotten or the consultant to come back and fix it. So it costs money and it's breaking all the time, mm-hmm. especially nowadays where uh, it's so common for, you know, all providers to focus on user experience um, and um, user interface in general. So what we're seeing is a lot of, even the carriers, they're always updating the look and feel of their websites. So that's why the RPA is not a viable solution. Mm-hmm. Now in comparison, Gaia uses AI in order to perform. So we're not hard coding the selectors or the tags that the RPAs traditionally do, but we are being very contextual when it comes to finding the different places to copy or paste information. So even if you have a particular AMS that looks a certain way today, then tomorrow you wake up, it's still collecting the same information, but maybe it's labeled a little bit differently or the IDs on the background have changed. Mm -hmm. We have the intelligence to figure out that it's still the same piece of information, so we can still perform intelligently. Yeah. So that's what the core value is. And then the second thing is 
we require zero setup. Gaia is ready to use out of the box. As soon as you download the extension, you have access, you can start super copying, super pasting. We give it very friendly terminology. We keep it as simple as we can, because as Carl shared earlier, our big objective is to remove friction. Mm -hmm. The last thing we want is for an agent to be under call with a customer, which is already to some extent stressful because you're trying to gain their trust. You're multitasking, you have multiple screens because traditionally you'd be copying and pasting everywhere. We know there's a lot going on in their world, right? Mm -hmm. So the last thing we want is to create more friction or more training. So a guy is literally ready to use out of the box with very simple terms, a very simple, easy to understand user interface uh, that does not require any setup or maintenance. Um, and also that is intelligent, able to readapt as soon as there's any change on the different UIs which is super fun. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it almost seems like, um, so when we talk about data structure, which is such a hard concept, I feel like to understand at times, um, I always think about it in languages. That, that was easy for me when I first started learning about data structure and data architecture. You know, every system has a different language, one speaking in French and in English and Spanish. And the key mm -hmm. is with data, you, you want to have- Nokia a speaks all of them, by the way. If we want to just- uh, <laughs> Who does? RPA? Jean-Pierre, Jean-Pierre is oh. <laughs> Really? Spanish, Spanish, Seriously? German. So you yeah. could, you yeah, could. It's a, it, it's a hobby for me. <laughs> that is so impressive. My gosh. I only know yeah. how to speak English. So, and that's, go ahead. The secret is to watch uh, TV shows in these languages. Uh, for example, when I was okay. in undergrad, I was learning yeah. German and I watched the entirety of Breaking Bad in German. So that helps a lot, you know? And, and this okay. was this was something you just did in your spare time. You're like, ah, oh, you know what? For fun, I'm gonna turn this TV show on in a completely different language. Yeah. <laughs> really? Practically. Maybe that's the nerd in me. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. Okay. Well, you know, to each his own. I'll say that. Um, so. <laughs> so. Do you speak? Any, do you speak any other language? I do not. So my mom taught me uh, Latin. She decided that a dead language was the right language to teach me in high school. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's great, mom. Um, so I thank her for that. And I will say it taught me a lot about English grammar, but I I could not speak Latin to you today. I mean, a, you know, a tu brute, and that's about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so in terms of languages, right, with data structure, you've got all these different systems with all these different languages. And I guess if I was to draw a comparison, tell me where I'm wrong here, Jean-Pierre. It, it, it's, it's kind of like with RPA, you're building out a, a translator. And, you know, as language evolves, as these systems evolve, you have to go in and rebuild this translator in real time. That's expensive, right? To, to create this universal language. What what you guys have built is like a, a translator that that evolves on its own in a way, right? You you don't it's learning as the language is evolving, right? And and there's no cost to go in and say, oh, you know what? Now we're we've got an inflection on this word. We've got to go fix the the translator. Now we've got a new field or a field that has a one in front of it, policy one instead of just policy. And and so it it's it's incredible. And I, I guess like, would this have been possible without AI is my question, right? Do you guys, yeah. 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 So, so here's where like, uh, you know, we're, that's why kind of the why now for Gaia is very relevant. Mm. Um, a company like this couldn't exist two years ago. Mm. It couldn't exist even maybe uh, 15 months ago. Mm -hmm. So it's thanks to the rise of these foundational models that are fairly cheap today 
that this exercise can be done. Otherwise, we would have still have to have to rely on front-end engineers to go and mine the HTML pages of carrier portals and all other websites so that we can determine the mm. evolution of these pages. Mm. But today, with these language models, we can be extracting, be it visually, the change, or also textually by looking at the underlying uh, language that is decoding these pages. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to be scaring the agents that are listening to this podcast, so allow me to do a shameless plug here. Yes. Whether, and the plug is that whether you are a very tech-savvy agent that has all sorts of cool systems in town, and you're every, you know, uh, on Friday you're on one podcast, and on Monday you're on another podcast talking about the cool stuff you have that are allowing you to do stuff faster and serve your clients, whether you're on this category that is certainly scary for all the other more traditional agencies that are more, you know, they might have an AMS, they might have a rater, but do not have all the sophistication around sales enablement tools, around, you know, using Zapier in the back end to connect systems. They might not be there and they might feel like, oh, that's too far for me. I can't be there. They might have like, mm. oh, no, I can't reach. I can't go to that new world where I'm mm. very tech sophisticated and I have all the APIs interrelated. Mm. We, we want you to know that we speak to both. We speak to those who are API first and API native and digital native. And we also speak to the traditional carrier agencies, sorry, because as Jean-Pierre said it, it's as uh, intuitive as using copy and paste, right-click mm -hmm. copy, right-click paste. Mm -hmm. Instead, you use Gaia for copy and Gaia for pasting. And that allows you to extract anything you see visually with your own eyes. Whether it's a web form or PDF, we extract it. So meaning we would take the information from whatever you're seeing in your eyes, and then whatever you want to take this information and paste it on somewhere else, we just paste it the right way. So it's like a reinvention of the copy and paste, which is an invention that dates now till maybe 50 years ago, 1973 is when Microsoft started it. Mm -hmm. So this is a moment in time where Gaia is reinventing this, in mm. particular for the insurance industry. Mm. So we don't want agents listening to this podcast wherever they are on their tech savviness to feel like it's not for them. It's really for anyone on that, on that, on that, uh, on that, what do you call it? Uh, what? Um, Spectrum. No. Yes. Spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. And I guess to plug the plug, I was presenting in Arizona a week or two ago for CLI. They had their first conference and there are probably 50 agents in the room. We were talking about artificial intelligence and whether it's something agents should be scared of, uh, talking about how it's gonna influence the industry, which I wanna get your thoughts on here before we wrap. But briefly, one of the agents in the crowd of 50, I mean, uh, there's 40,000 agents in the country. You know, we put 50 in a room and one of them happened to be there when I'm speaking about AI. I showed Gaia and he said, I love those guys. They're amazing to work with. You know, I, I'm really excited for where the technology is going. And, you know, he got everybody else all riled up about it. And he was actually able to give some insight that I didn't have uh, to agents who were asking questions during the presentation, which was really cool. But I think it speaks to the work that you guys have done, the relationships you have built, and the commitment that you have to make AI accessible to anybody on that spectrum that an agent would just stand up and say, I love these guys. I want to, you know, <laughs> the, you know, you should work with them. So kudos to you for that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I guess our mindset has always been, let's be the agents where they are. Yeah. So again, to reemphasize that it's very user friendly. So anyone who is not very technically savvy can use it. 
but also larger agencies who maybe have their own internal systems. Mm-hmm. And they want to be able to send data to Gaia, maybe not by us going on a web page and copying it. So we actually built our own API as well. So we can receive information uh, from other systems via API and figure out how to intelligently paste it on different web portals. So just again to emphasize the fact that we are a robust engine, so robust yet simple. Um, so that's how we think of, of, of ourselves and it simply works. I love it. So tell me about your thoughts on artificial intelligence in the insurance industry as a whole. Is this something that we should be afraid of? Is it, you know, is it going to replace the agent? I think that's what a lot of people are scared of. Oh, it's going to get so smart that we won't need we won't need to sell or service insurance. This robot is just going to do it for us. It's going to be so smart. It can advise and service and everything. Um, or is it is it something else, right? And and sort of where are we at today? Uh, in, in terms of its evolution. Yeah. I, I mean, I can share with you the, or the, the good things and also stuff that scares us about AI in the insurance industry. Okay. Um, so first, like uh, from at the high level of view, when you talk about insurance, you know, of course, claims will be re- thought out from the mm-hmm. ground up, the claims operation. Mm-hmm. All this ability to extract unstructured stuff from PDF, having communication being done through um, transformer models. This will help claim department uh, found, you know, be better at the job, be more productive, and cut down the, the waiting time because that's the worst, right? The wait time in the claim operation. On the underwriting side, of course, there and there are great vendors out there that are attacking it already to help underwriters also underwrite risk in a better way because now you can know you you can choose to no longer look at few variables. You can look at, at an infinity of variables. And on the brokerage side, which is what Gaia is specializing in, we feel that uh, some agents might be scared of AI. But here's the truth. The reality is that all insurance carriers agree that the best channel is the agent's channel. And that's because you need to have human relationships involved so that you can have the best kind of business. Mm-hmm. And insurance you know, is not like the other verticals out there. It's something you want to trust someone to have to help you set it the right way and then forget it and just know that there is someone watching over your shoulders when a bad event happens. Mm-hmm. And many insurtechs tried to come in wave one of insurtechs, right? Trying to disrupt the agency world. But they didn't go well. They're, they, 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 they are underperforming in terms of their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, 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 had, they had adverse selection effect, etc. And uh, today, still, the reality holds that agents are the best way to figure out whether it's going to be a good or bad business. So I would just say that as an agent, just like you treat other pieces of technologies, if you do not use it, you need to be scared of the other agent that is using it. So if you're an agent not using AI, it means that there is another agent using AI that's going to do 10 times more work than you can do. And when I say work, it doesn't mean selling. It means caring as well. Mm-hmm. I, as a customer, want to be cared for by an agent servicing me. So you have to just uh, you know, stay, stay level up and so, so really be on top of the game mm-hmm. and do quality work. So quality work would require you embracing all these innovations. That's what I would say. Now, the last thing I would say around what scares me. Mm-hmm. What scares me from these AI technologies out there is not within the insurance agency operation. It's more around the customer side of things. Today, if all these tools can now be used by customers, I mean, I can imagine in three months from now, 
or maybe it happened already, that customers would be using these bots, these intelligence, so that they can go and shop around. Mm -hmm. Shopping around might be wasting an agent, a human agent, it's time, because mm -hmm. there is a bot at the other side of the spectrum just shipping for prices. Mm -hmm. So that's a bit, uh, you know, could be a bit of frustration, but I'm sure there are some tech vendors out there that will be building, you know, identity verification layers to protect society, how it operates, so that we can stay connected virtually and not really go back to the world of uh, brick and mortar relationships. Mm -hmm. mm. Jean-Pierre, any thoughts on your hopes and dreams and fears about AI and insurance? Yeah, for sure. Uh, in terms of hopes and dreams, I definitely see it as an enabler. So I think it's some it's a tool that you know insurance agents in general should embrace instead of being afraid of it because again it'll make you so much more efficient and as call shared if you don't use it you should definitely be worried that your competitors are um, and now it's made so accessible right it's not like in like five years ago where only select people maybe at PhDs in machine learning could utilize AI it's been made democratized meaning there is different like there's a larger number of companies and you know startups who are now building with AI, and the implication is it's becoming more and more accessible, more and more user friendly. The same way, like the same approach we're taking as Gaia, making AI accessible to folks. So there's a number of other companies who are taking a similar approach, but you know in different in different angles. So we're focusing right now on the coding aspect of things, but of course there's companies who are helping on underwriting. Um, risk management, you name it. Mm -hmm. So it's really a matter of staying curious and understanding that those tools will only make you more efficient and you don't need to be super technically savvy to be able to reap the benefits of them all. Mm -hmm. In fact, we're utilizing AI in our day-to-day -day lives in ways that maybe we don't even notice, right? So for example, if you ever use tools like Google Maps, so being able to figure out where there's traffic and whatnot. So of course there's AI layers under it, but that's been made so user-friendly that you don't even notice it. Mm -hmm. So I would also say maybe don't focus so much on the word AI, which may mm -hmm. be intimidating, um, but just be open, stay curious to a tool that can make you more productive and embrace it whenever they come to you. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you both for coming on and sharing a little bit about Gaia. It was great to hear your story. Um, for those agencies who are interested, go to Gaia, G-A-Y-A dot A-I, I would recommend get a demo, at least watch the video, see what's out there, what they're working on. Uh, as you know, as you look over that video, know they're only a year in. So I know there's big things coming in 2024 and these guys are moving fast with some great agencies. So keep an eye on them. Thanks for having us. Well, that was a great episode. Amazing. It was an amazing episode. I really enjoyed that content. Guys, if you enjoyed that content and you want more of it, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Nah, dude. You got to tell them to crush it. Crush that subscribe button, guys. All right. Whether you want to crush it, smash it, hit it. Bop it? Sure. We could bop it. Either way, guys, we don't want you to miss another episode. We enjoy spending time with you, the VIP. Yeah. We'll see you next week. <laughs>